2: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text Pod to 500-500.
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and in particular, the Harley-Davidson Museum. And people just think that, you know, think Milwaukee, they think, you know, Laverne and Shirley. They don't, they don't really understand how cool a city this has always been and has certainly become. My next guest knows a little bit about this. He's the editor of On Milwaukee, Bobby Tanzilla. How are you, man? And you're I'm a good, New Yorker, Peter. man.
4: I am. I was born in Brooklyn.
0: I'll speak more slowly. No. <laughs> What brought you out here?
4: Uh, My parents brought me out here, sort of against my will at the time. Speaking uh, to what you just said, I mean, I grew up, we'd visit Milwaukee because I had grandparents here, but I was a New York kid, and I loved music, and I loved going to gigs in Manhattan, and I was not looking to come here.
0: You know, because when I was going to school in Madison, and and I came to Wisconsin as a 17-year-old kid, you were 17, right, from New York, you know, I saw my first cow, it was big, you know, it was was big. (laughs) Drank my, I mean, I mean, I used to drink... Beer when I was a kid because I'd sneak in the bars, you know, at 16 and 17. I'd, I'd have beer, terrible beer like Rheingold and Knickerbocker. Schaefer. Schaefer when you're having more than one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's Ballantine, Purity, Body, and Flavor. Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. Yeah. Then there was Rheingold. The only distinguishing thing about Rheingold beer was they had something called Miss Rheingold. And they used to put a picture in the subways. And we we'd go up there, and nobody was looking. We put mustaches on her, or but but terrible beer. But then there was Milwaukee. That's when you saw, and everything was here then. You know, you you, you still had Pabst, mm-hmm. but you had Heilmans, and you had, I mean, you, oh, we had you, Blatz, you had Blatt's. We had Miller, yeah, yeah. Sh- uh, Schlitz, and Schlitz. Mm-hmm. I still, and if you
4: go a hundred years back, there's there's twenty more. Oh, I know. Yeah.
0: I still have in New York four unopened bottles of Schlitz. You didn't bring them. No. <laughs> you know what would happen if I open them. It would be a science project. But Yeah, exactly. But Milwaukee has evolved in the last, I'd say, 10 years, literally in the last Absolutely, 10 years, yeah. to an amazing food destination. You have so many restaurants opening now that were – look, let's be honest. When I was coming to Wisconsin, there was pizza, beer, and garlic bread. <laughs> and fish boils. And fish fries. Right? And fish fries. That right. was it. Yep. And, and and cheese curds, but we love the cheese curds. Bratwurst, right. Uh, and bratwurst. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how many new restaurants in Milwaukee? Uh, I mean, just,
4: we, we can barely keep up. Part of what we do at on Milwaukee is we write, you know, we we track the dining scene, and we always write about new places that are coming, and we do at least one a day of a place that's open. One a day? Oh, yeah, surely.
0: I mean, now, what do you attribute that to? I mean, just because they didn't have it before, or because... More people are discovering how cool Milwaukee is. I
4: think more people are discovering how cool Milwaukee is. And even if you look out these windows here, you can see those condos going up. There's buildings that used to be empty industrial buildings are all apartments now. And people from Chicago are taking apartments here and buying condos here. They weekend in Milwaukee. Just, you know, it really, it's a, What's great about it is now it does have all of these restaurants, it has all these bars, it has the Harley Museum, it has the Milwaukee Art Museum in a world-class building, but it's manageable. It's human scale, it's human size, you can park. People here complain if they can't, if they can't park right outside the door, they think there's no parking. I mean, that's, that's how easy it is to park here. It, it's, I always say that the Milwaukee motto ought to be 15 minutes to anywhere. Yeah, cause well, really, you're right. Because you can get anywhere in town from anywhere else in town in 15 minutes.
0: And you're on the lake.
4: And you're on the lake, which is beautiful. And unlike a lot of cities on the lake, we have not built a freeway. We managed to put a stop to the idea to build a freeway along our lake. I know. How did you put
0: a stop to that? Because that would be the normal extension of thinking. And, there you know.
4: was a lot of outcry. And actually, it got pretty far along because there are stretches of the city that were already demolished to build these freeways that never ended up happening. And what's really amazing in Milwaukee is that the former mayor, John Norquist, got a section of freeway torn down. Wow. Who tears? What cities tear down freeways, right? But I mean, there was a, still a section here on the south side of downtown, but along the north side, there was a spur that was going to originally be the part that went up along the lake, but it got stopped downtown, so it only ran maybe a mile. But it was effectively a barrier right. to the north, between the north side and downtown, and then you had this whole stretch underneath the freeway, which was a dead zone. Toto? I have a feeling
0: we're not in Kansas anymore. of Chicago. I Don't was kid yourself. I say
4: that was something we didn't mention. It's true. If you thing.
0: look in the parking lot at the Milwaukee airport, one third of the plates are Illinois plates. Yep. Because they know. Yeah. It's cool.
4: And again, it's another place. I dropped my wife off there yesterday. You can drive up. Yeah. Drop somebody off. You're out of there in a minute. Now, two minutes.
0: here's the question now. Why do I fly to the Milwaukee airport at least once a year when I have no plans of doing anything other than flying to the Milwaukee airport? Why?
4: I'm, I'm going to guess you want to shop at Renaissance Books.
0: Oh, you know, you're right. <laughs> I, the guy's there, amazing, a, a used and rare bookstore in the middle of an airport that's been run by the same guys for like 30 years, yep. and what's cool about, first of all, I'm a big fan of independent bookstores, but second of all, I do a lot of damage there, because you walk in, they've got everything. I mean, every book you've ever wanted since you were six years old is there somehow, right? Yep. Yep. And because they're not a big chain store, three things happen. You ready? Number one, you get to ship it outside the state, no sales tax. Nice. Number two, they have great prices. Number three, the shipping costs are like $8. Yeah. And so I will actually figure out a way to come through Milwaukee, stay at the airport for six hours, do a six-hour layover so I can go in that bookstore. (laughs) And I've been doing it for years. And if you're listening to me, guys who run the Milwaukee airport, don't throw them out of there. They've been trying to get them out of there for years.
4: Yeah, no, I hope they don't. I mean, the the same guys ran a bookstore called Renaissance Downtown that was in a four-story building that was literally crumbling from the quantity of books in there. But this is what we have left is the one at the airport, and it's such a it's such an asset because it's such a unique place. And it's by not the, the way, place it, you go it, and you say, okay, I want this book. I'm going to go find that book. You go in there, and you're just going to find they're going to. Oh come yeah, I here. have
0: no particular agenda when I right. go in there. It's like I just know I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. Oh yeah,
4: every and time. the thing
0: is, it's not a chain bookstore. So when you're walking through the terminal, it's like, oh yeah, there's a McDonald's and there's this and there's all the things you're expecting to see at an airport. And that's like, what's that? Yeah. And then you got to go.
4: Yeah.
0: All right. So the other thing I want to talk to you about. Is I go back to the days of the Pfister.
4: Yeah. Right? Here, the old right? hotel yep. Pfister.
0: I was there in nineteen seventy. Okay. When Spiro T. Agnew, the Vice <laughs> President of the United States, gave his famous speech about nattering nabobs of negativism. Yeah. Uh, about about the anti-war movement and the media. Yeah. I mean, echoes of where we are in this country right now during this campaign, Absolutely. A presidential campaign, about let's get, let's attack the media. Sure. But now there's so many other hotels that have opened that are actually renovations or complete restorations. The Iron Horse, for example.
4: The Iron Horse is incredible, and that's that's one of the most popular hotels in town. Tell me
0: mm-hmm. about it because it's it, it's amazing.
4: Yeah, it was an old warehouse in what was sort of the industrial area. Along the Menominee Valley, which is a whole corridor of industrial buildings that now have been mostly transformed into other things, we've got this new brewery is down there. There's there's another new brewery opening in the former. Another brewery in
0: Wisconsin? I'm shocked.
4: They're they're opening like you wouldn't believe. That I think six opened this year, or are ready, or will open shortly. Wow. In Milwaukee. And these
0: are limited productions.
4: Yeah. Yeah. These are just, you know, you go in and they've...
0: Whatever made, they make that day.
4: Is right. That li- and that's what they make. And the Iron Horse, you know, it's just sort of set up when it opened, was still kind of on the fringe of almost sort of nothingness. There's a neighborhood to the south, but to the north, there wasn't much there yet. And they were sort of banking on this happen- this Harley Museum happening and this Renaissance happening. And then just up the road, there's the Pottawatomie Casino Hotel opened up. So now they're really in this kind of thick of... Sure. This renaissance of what used but to be you. But I remember a couple of years ago, you had, a, you had a
0: hotel that was the Metropolitan?
4: The uh, Metro downtown. The Metro,
0: yeah. I mean, they were the first hotel that would say, you stay here, you get a bicycle. Yeah. And and you just check in and get on the bike and go. It's right. great.
4: Former office building. Another I know. one that Right now, in the heart well, of downtown, that's a hotel. And
0: then your little secret place, Lake Emily.
4: Yes. <laughs> There's not a hotel there.
0: Uh, we know that. Um, but what is there?
4: There is uh, actually what people have always called a lake underneath this building from the turn of the 20th century that
0: turn of the 19th century
4: uh no turn yeah turn of the ni- no, turn of the 20th century really yeah 19- 1910 okay. i think the building okay was built. and um then they knew this was there but they built on it anyway and they drove the pilings down and they created a system to maintain this water level that's under there because now that water level is key to keeping that building up because you have all these wood pilings that have to stay underwater wow. so if you go in the basement of this northwestern mutual building you can look down these holes and see if the water is there if you can see water they're good if they if they can't see water, they have to pump water into the system. And by
0: the way, I think you wrote about something like seventy four different observation
4: holes. Yep, yep. And they're just holes in the floor, and they go down. And they look. Now it's all been automated. But um, when I was writing the story, they were still looking. Wow. And now there's a whole new tower going up right next to it.
0: Do they have to do the same thing?
4: No, that one. They've that's a little drier land over there. But also, they've built so many things in intervening years that they've managed to sort that that land out.
0: When people come to visit you, let's say from Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, to Milwaukee. People what? don't
4: come visit me from Brooklyn,
0: believe it or not. Well, maybe they might. They should. But when they come visit you anyway, maybe nobody likes you. Maybe they don't want to come visit you at all.
5: If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care.
0: In the interest of full disclosure, I think most of you know who listen to the show regularly. I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, not too far from Milwaukee. And in the old days, when I was going when I was going to school back there, you'd take I-94 and come into Milwaukee, you pass the old county stadium, and then you'd smell the yeast from all the breweries. And uh, that was about it. Well, Milwaukee has really come into its own. It's an amazing city by the lake. More restaurants than you can imagine, great new hotels, great restored old hotels. And then it's got something else, and we've been talking about it throughout the show. But why not talk about it right now? The Harley Davidson Museum. I was actually back here in in 2006 when the day they broke ground for it. It was a just an old lot. It was a, just an old piece of property that was doing nothing. And now, what an amazing facility with with great history. Joining me now, the uh, well, basically the curatorial director. I love that name. Uh, of the museum, Jim Fricky. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on this morning. And you know what's what's interesting is that before you even came here, you were over in Seattle doing another cool museum.
6: I was actually. I was just back there visiting a couple weeks ago. That was that. the
0: Experience Museum. Ex- yeah,
6: Experience. Is that Music Paul? Project. That was Paul Allen. Paul Allen. Yeah. yeah. I started working on that one in '92. Um, and that one took eight years to open. It opened in 2000, and I stayed there until 2004 Well, it took and came eight here.
0: years to open because Paul was till, because Paul was a perfectionist.
6: He is. Well, and, and his sister, who runs a lot of his business, yeah. is uh, even more
0: of a perfectionist. Exactly. But, you know, when you think about the history of Harley-Davidson and and a homegrown co- company right here in Milwaukee, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how far back does it go?
6: Well, the, we kind of count our birthday from uh, 1903 when the company sold their first motorcycle the oldest artifact we've actually got in the um in the museum here is a drawing from 1901 of the first uh, engine that that bill harley designed when he was working with arthur davidson and that one was to to motorize a bicycle
0: and you know when you think about how loyal and fanatical your owners are in terms of people who have harley davidson's I mean, this turns into a shrine for them, doesn't it?
6: Yeah, this is this is truly kind of a you know a bucket list destination for a lot of people. You know, one of the things that's that's really gratifying here is throughout the year um, we get about 11% of international uh, tourists coming, and they come to Milwaukee specifically to come to the museum.
0: And then they discover how cool Milwaukee is. In addition to it,
6: yeah, but in the middle of winter, it's really.
0: In the Cold. middle of hey, I know this I spent 5 years in Wisconsin. So basically what you're telling me is if you want to come to Milwaukee in February you got to wanna. Yeah.
6: Well we've actually um, been doing a lot of stuff in the winter. That's it. that was one of the surprises to me of coming from Seattle is you know this is a really intensely kind of seasonal um, visit visitation here in Milwaukee, but we've been uh, there's there are a lot of things happening as time has gone on to really celebrate the winter. There's a, there's an amazing kind of motorcycle show and like motorcycle ice racing that goes on in February. So we've been we've been so kind if of. If you have up motorcycle
0: ice racing, that would probably be followed by motorcycle orthopedic surgery. Uh,
6: there, it's it's not a entirely safe endeavor.
0: No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> motorcycle ice racing wow so you've taken demolition derby to a new height well this you know this is
6: something that goes all the way back to the beginnings of the motorcycle industry
0: well you know what it is i mean let's face it the motorcycle culture is if it's got two wheels and an engine let me see what i can do with this yeah right i mean it's all the different ways you can like do it right
6: yeah i mean we often because we we celebrate kind of the importance of competition in really establishing the company in the first couple decades and so you know, people often say, well, when was the first motorcycle race? And not entirely facetiously, we'll say, well, the first time there were two motorcycles in the same town. Exactly. But one of the things that I think is surprising to a lot of people is is that, you know, though motorcycle has this sort of more edgy, adventurous um, reputation at this point, you know, in the early days of the company there were many women riding. You know, what the founders were doing when they were trying to establish the company was convince people to get off their horses and get on a motorcycle. And it's, you know, not inherently more macho to ride a motorcycle than a horse necessarily. So um, there was uh, a, a, a real concerted effort to kind of pitch the motorcycle as good family transportation. It wasn't necessarily, you know, an adventurous kind of edgy thing to do.
0: Yeah, but then it evolved.
6: It did evolve. And, and you know, what's, what's
0: interesting to me is that it's, it's one thing for someone to have just a Harley, but then they personalize it, right? And They add to it. They mm-hmm. accessorize it. Yeah. So in this museum, you have many different opportunities to show how people have, in a very crazy and outlandish way, accessorized.
6: Yes. And, that, I mean, that is – that's one of the really unique aspects of – uh, Harley-Davidson in particular, motorcycling in general. I mean, and you see this with, with automotive culture as well. People kind of, you know, customize their vehicles, but it's not as much uh, just a standard part of the norm as it is with with Harley-Davidson. And I've had the honor here of uh, working with um, Willie G. Davidson, who uh, is my, my boss's father, the grandson of one of the founders who led our styling for 50 years. And that was kind of one of the things that, I uh, asked him about is, you know, how do you, you spend all of your time styling these beautiful motorcycles and then you sell them and then people change them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, as an artist, how does that make you feel? And he's he is so excited about that aspect of the culture and, and the the kind of incredible creativity of, of our customers. And it's something we, you know, we celebrate at the museum. And one of the things that's fun is, you know, taste is what it is. There's something for every. For everyone. And there are some bikes in our custom culture gallery that, you know, some hardcore enthusiasts just look at and think, wow, what an incredible waste of a couple great knucklehead engines or something. But, right. you know, that was somebody's baby, and it's their you know their
0: expression. Well, speaking of that being somebody's baby, in any museum, people want to donate things? Or you want to acquire things? What's that funnel? How does that work? Well, the one... Are people trying to donate stuff to you pe- all the
6: time? People, yes, people People do donate uh, a, a wide variety of things or, or contact us uh, one of the things well you mentioned um my previous job in seattle I and mean, one of the things with developing a museum for paul allen was we decided on stories and then we went out and we found all of the stuff to tell the stories and it was a you know constant acquisition process here at harley what i found was the company had saved so much they began saving motorcycles right off the assembly you already line. had the collection yeah.
7: Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me
6: at the wheel
7: Cruising and playing the radio
5: With no particular place to go
0: Uh, My next guest knows a little bit about Milwaukee, He's the the anchor for Fox 6 here. Ted Perry, how are you, man?
7: Peter, it's an honor to be here with you.
0: I mean, you're a Wisconsin guy.
7: I am. I'm a Chicago native, but moved here when I was 14 to a small town called Baraboo. I know
0: know Baraboo for other reasons, because when I was at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, it was the only time... The United States had been bombed from the air. It was during the anti-war movement in the United States against the Vietnam War, and a couple of guys who were students at the at University of Wisconsin stole an airplane and literally dropped bombs on the Baraboo munitions plant.
7: Uh, Badger ammunition. Badger, yeah. yep, exactly.
0: Exactly. And they fell into the snow and didn't explode, but they tried. It was crazy. That's how we knew Baraboo.
7: That was your that was your experiment, or that was your uh, entry into Baraboo. Well, no, okay. I didn't
0: drop the bomb. No,
7: but no, but that incident. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: So there you were. In it's Barabu. got a lot more to
7: offer. Yes.
0: I know, and and so does Milwaukee. But what brought you here?
7: I came here in 1993 for a job to be closer to family. I was working down south in Tennessee. You know, Television, as you know, makes you a bit of a nomad, so yeah. I've worked in Minnesota and Tennessee and came here and fell in love and planted my flag, and you'll have to carry me out of here.
0: And by the way, in the interest of full disclosure, you are you are a UW-Madison boy.
7: I am. I know you had Dr. Lovell in here, a great Marquette University representative, but I had to bring some red in and, uh, you know, fellow Badger. <laughs> Class of 86.
0: And, and you're wearing the hat. You're wearing the hat. The proudly. Right hat. Proudly. Of what about Milwaukee keeps you here?
7: It feels right. It feels comfortable. I love big cities. I've traveled the world as you have, not as extensively as you've had. Studied abroad in London, born and raised in Chicago. But there's something about this being the right size for me. And uh, I don't need any bigger. I don't need any smaller. It it really fits like an old pair of jeans, The city. Well,
0: what I love about Wisconsin and Milwaukee especially is it's manageable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you don't get lost.
7: Peter, I woke up this morning, uh, hopped on my Harley-Davidson, which I thought was appropriate since we were here at the museum, rode down Lake Drive, was at the public market a few blocks away for a meeting, and then rode over here, encountering no traffic, seeing a beautiful sunrise along Lake Michigan, and I did all this in 15 minutes or less. You can get around this city quite often.
0: And how long have you been riding a Harley? 15 years. Wow.
7: Yeah, upright the whole time, which is the goal, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of upright the whole time, a little-known fact about you, Mm -hmm. were you once Bucky Badger? I was. Now, I have to tell you a story. Okay. It's a true story. It it predates your days at the university. When I was in Madison, our football team couldn't win a game. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'd still put 77,000 students in in Camp Randall every Saturday to watch, not whether we were going to lose, but how we would lose.
7: Finding new and creative ways.
0: To lose, right. And... In those days, the National Guard was on campus because of all the anti-war demonstrations. But nobody ever rioted on a Saturday or a Sunday, especially if it was a football game, because they were all at the stadium, right? So it's th- it's fourth quarter, six minutes to go. We're losing 16 to nothing against Iowa, and we invent the forward fumble. And I mean, it just it's next thing you know, we win. Now, the National Guard is surrounding the Capitol, but they're just sitting around doing nothing because it's a Saturday. When 77,000 fans come pouring out of Camp Randall, marching up State Street, and the colonel directing the National Guard takes out his binoculars and basically goes, Oh, my God, fix bayonets, get ready for the tear gas, fix the helmets, the gas masks, everything's going crazy. And he just looks and all he sees is thousands and thousands of people marching towards the Capitol. None of their intelligence told them there'd be an anti-war march that day. They weren't ready for it. The cops were being called. Dane County sheriffs were being rolled in. And they get about halfway up State Street and the colonel then looks back through his binoculars again and he goes, everybody stand down. Why? He says, there's Bucky Badger. He goes, Bucky's not anti war.
7: Bucky comes in peace. (laughs) Bucky comes for fun. That's what Bucky was there for. Okay, so
0: wait, wait. So you were Bucky?
7: I was. I was Bucky Badger. I've never
0: met someone who actually was Bucky.
7: Yeah, I'm not breaking any code here, by yeah. the way. So you were, we're allowed to talk after the fact. Yeah. I, I kept it pretty, I actually, except for my roommates, I did not drop it on campus much. I didn't mention it. Nobody you would, knew you were Bucky. You would never have known if you were in a journalism class with me or if you were a bartender with me or I bartended on, uh, on uh, Joe Hart's, a bar that's no longer there. But uh, my friends knew, my close friends and family
0: knew. Okay, they knew that you were Bucky? Yes. And did Bucky ever get drunk? As Bucky? Other
7: Buckies have. There are two Buckies, to my knowledge, to get fired. One rode the wagon. The the, the fire wagon. The the Bucky's fire wagon. And threw up on the Chancellor's lawn during a stop there. So, So
0: Bucky has thrown up.
7: Bucky has thrown up drunk. That Bucky was fired. The second Bucky to get fired is sitting across from you right now.
0: Dare I ask how you got fired?
7: Um, Speaking of the Iowa game, a different year than the one that you just referenced. Uh, Mascot etiquette, Peter. I don't know if you've ever interviewed mascots, but mascot etiquette says at halftime, you take the other mascot into the locker room, you shed your respective carcasses, you get him some water, you get him a towel, whatever he needs, and then you reassemble and go out. This guy just happened to say, could I try on your Bucky Badger outfit? And I said, I've been sweating in it for two quarters, but knock yourself out. So he puts it on. I put on the Iowa Hawkeye outfit, which is very comfortable, by the way. We have to tip our hats to our friends in Iowa City. They have a wonderfully ergonomic (laughs) mascot outfit. And he looks at me as the third quarter begins, and he says, do you want to? And I know what he means. And we give each other the eye to say, don't screw this up. Uh, The last thing I need is Bucky, you know, giving the middle finger to the student section, right? Right. So there's a code of honor there among thieves that we would go out and represent each other's university the best we could. And nobody knew that
0: you were now the Iowa Hawkeye.
7: Nobody knew it first. Uh-oh. Until his girlfriend was an Iowa cheerleader, and she came over and pinched Herky on the behind, thinking that it was her boyfriend when it was really me. He saw this whole thing happen across the field. Imagine an eight-foot Bucky doubled over in laughter because her shock. And she's like, what happened to Craig? And I said, he's over there. And it just so happened that the band—you know, remember the band had a tradition of taking the opposing mascot and ramming them— Cross-legged into the crossbar. I don't know if you remember that. Fortunately for me, the trombone player who picked me up was my college roommate. And I was screaming at him, Brian, it's me, Ted. And he said, what are you doing in the herky?" I said, don't worry about it. Just go easy on me. Don't actually <laughs> give me the ramming. And, and so we switched back. I thought, no harm, no foul. Peter, you would think that I should be tried for treason if you talked talk to the late, great Elroy Hirsch, who was then the Crazy Legs. Crazy Legs, who fired me the following Tuesday. So for okay. so, for so lack of the, dereliction the, of duty. So in he the history it.
0: of Bucky Badgers, There's there have been, been two firings. One for throwing up on the Chancellor's lawn. Which wasn't me. And two for impersonating an Iowa Hawkeye.
7: And that was me. Oh.
0: I sorry.
7: was nineteen years old and you know, I've been living with that guilt ever since.
0: Do you still go to the games? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. I try to get
7: to one a year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll make a road trip to Northwestern uh, next weekend yeah. uh, to see them play the Wildcats.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. So you survived and here you are?
7: Yeah. And I've covered a couple Rose Bowls in my job as a reporter. So. Well, I've
0: been to all the Rose Bowls in the last couple of years. Every one of them we lost. I just would might like to mention that. Oh, the
7: TCU one still hurts. The me.
0: TCU one hurts. Oregon hurts because I think there was bad officiating, really yes. bad officiating. I agree with you. I remember that game where we kicked off to those guys, and the guy caught it, I mean, took the, the kickoff in the end zone, mm-hmm. stepped out of the end zone, stepped back into the end zone, and they called it a touchback. That is a safety.
7: The the, the, the decks were stacked against us on that. But yeah. did you go to the UCLA wins, the, the, the first one in 94? Did you go to that one? No.
0: You know where that I was? That was a was?
7: glorious one.
0: Unfortunately, I was, believe it or not, mm-hmm. in Vietnam that day. Okay. And here I was, you know, protesting the war in Vietnam all the years. We could not get a win. They finally go to the Rose Bowl, and where am I? Vietnam. Vietnam.
7: So you were at Madison during the David Marinus They Marched Toward Sunlight Days. Absolutely, Those were
0: fascinating days. I was there for all that, the war at home. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Hello? Uh, This is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for
1: alarm. It's a
4: motor running. Head out on the highway Looking for adventure and whatever
5: comes
0: our way. Yeah, darling, go make it audible.com has more than a hundred and fifty thousand titles and virtually every genre so check it out for yourself sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com/ travel today to get a free audiobook and 30 day trial. The president of Marquette University, Dr. Mike Lovell, how are you, sir? Oh, great. How are you, Peter? Good. You know, when you think about universities, there was always University of Wisconsin and UWM in those days and then Marquette. But we always used to watch Marquette basketball. Yeah. What's what's special about the university other than basketball?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, everybody knows Al McGuire and remembers the championship yeah. back in 77. Yeah. It's something when I travel the country people talk about, but you know, we are we're a Catholic Jesuit institution. You know, we have a great you know academic profile and record and, and history, particularly of uh, producing men and women who live their life in service to others. And it's really, you know, part of what we do is try to make our communities better and make the world better.
0: And what's great about Marquette, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you're not out of control in terms of size.
1: No, no, we we're we're very strategic in the fact that we have about eleven thousand five hundred students. You know, we're not looking to grow. So, maybe some of the programs we offer, you know, will grow and expand, but. By and large, you know, we're, we're very happy with our size and the feel of the campus, and I think it's very much of a family atmosphere.
0: I mean, what I love about it, first of all, it's Milwaukee. The size is not daunting. You, your students can participate in actual conversations, yeah. not just lectures, right? I mean, that's yeah, the, oh,
1: sure. I mean, class size, they get to know their faculty. Uh, it's really mu- very much a sense of community on campus.
0: So now I, I, I'm looking at you as a local, even though you're not from here. But you've been here long enough to know these things. Your favorite destination in Milwaukee?
1: Well, I mean, if you think right on the heart of our campus, you have the Joan of Arc Chapel, which is, I believe, it's the the oldest building in the, in the Western Hemisphere. Was brought over from France, and uh, has I mean a great that alone. The, the, the logistics
0: yeah. of bringing that thing here. Yes,
1: yeah. I mean, and, and it's amazing when you when you're in the building, uh, you would never know that it had been moved. It, you feel like it had been built here, and uh, you know, we go to Mass there. My favorite time to be there is Mass at 10 o'clock on Tuesday nights with the students. Uh, it's just the energy and the feel it has. And uh, there's a history there that uh, that Joan of Arc actually uh, kissed one of the bricks. And that people say that it's colder than all the other ones. Before she went to battle, she kissed it. And the tradition there, you can actually feel it. It feels colder. At least that's what the students say.
0: But the brick itself is not identified. No. Do no. people kiss the bricks
1: anyway? Uh, I don't know if they kiss them anymore, but I, they <laughs> certainly feel them.
0: <laughs> and... I mean, Milwaukee to me is still a city of surprises because people aren't expecting much until they get here and they go, oh, I had no idea.
1: You know, I think I was, I was that way. You know, I've been here. Uh, this is my ninth year in Milwaukee. And I remember when I, coming back uh, from the airport going downtown, it was along the lakefront and realizing how much of the lakefront has been preserved and what a beautiful place, you know, it is. And it really, I consider to be a hidden gem, you know, in the country, certainly and certainly the Midwest.
0: When you think about all the opportunities for development that could have destroyed that, and were attempted, by the way, uh, and were stopped, it's amazing to see that you can, you still have a shoreline.
1: Oh, it, you know, Bradford Beach is is still considered one of the ten best beaches in the country, uh, and the shoreline's been preserved. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm a runner and a, a cyclist, and to be able to utilize that every single day, you know, and be able to see the sun come up on the lake, it's it's really a special experience. Well, you talk
0: about being a cyclist. I mean, Wisconsin as a state. I mean, I can certainly speak for Madison, but Wisconsin as a state. Has done a number of things in terms of rails to trails, the old abandoned railroad tracks that they have turned into hiking and biking trails, and just the bike paths in the city
1: alone. Yeah, I mean, we have several great trails here in Milwaukee. The Oak Leaf Trail actually you know, goes around the entire city. It's more than 100 miles of trails right here in Milwaukee, so you can get just about anywhere you want to go on a trail. Have you done them? Oh, certainly, all the time.
0: Wow. All year round.
1: All year round. You know, it's one thing about Milwaukee. Even though it gets pretty cold here, uh, the people are hardy, and you'll see people out, you know, riding their bikes in the middle of the winter, and you see people out running in the middle of the winter. It's really, really. I,
0: so. I mean, Pennsylvania has winter, but it doesn't have Wisconsin winter.
1: No, it was for me you know, coming from Pittsburgh to uh, Milwaukee. It definitely, you, you see there's a significant temperature drop. You know, in the winter time, it's probably <laughs> Were you, not, were you, you know, ready for
0: that the first time?
1: Not really, yeah. not really. Uh, the, the one thing I will say though, it, we get a lot of sunshine. We're on the west western side of the lake, and so we don't get the lake effect snow or clouds. And so, you know, I bet we get, I think we get on average about twenty, uh, twice as many uh, sunny days than we got in Pittsburgh. We, Pittsburgh was kind of a brick gray place in the winter, but it's definitely when when, it's, uh, when it gets really cold here, when the cold air comes down from the from the north, it's at least sunny out.
0: Well, my biggest surprise when I first went to Wisconsin, I, my dad let me have his 64 Buick. And I drove it to Madison and took it to a service station and said, oh, you, 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 should we winterize it for you? I said, oh, yeah, do that, you know. And then I just thought they would put an antifreeze and that was it. No, they came back and they gave me a plug. I had to plug my car in at yeah. night. Yeah. Right? You actually plugged your car in yeah. at night yeah. to, to heat the radiator. That's right. People don't realize it yeah. gets that cold. It does get that cold here. Yeah. Yeah. But you're still riding your bike.
1: Well, I, I actually put my bike in in November, you know, and, uh, but, but I'll run all year long.
0: And the biggest
1: surprise for people who are
0: visiting you that they're not expecting?
1: Again, I think the, the fact that it, it's a big town that has, you know, professional sports, it has great arts, uh, but it's also a small town the fact that we, we say you can get anywhere in 20 minutes, and no matter what time of day you're out there, you know, rush hour here. If you're from New York or Chicago, you wouldn't even recognize it.
0: And, of course, one of the ways you relate to your students is you run with them. Of course, of course. A lot.
1: A lot, yeah. We have clearance, Clarence.
6: Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor?
3: Howard Radio, clearance, over. That's Clarence, over.
2: Over. Roger. Huh?
0: I have had a long-standing love affair with with Wisconsin since I came here at the age of 17, to go to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. But if you're going to go to Madison, you're going to end up in Milwaukee or Chicago because on weekends you would drive the 90 minutes to Milwaukee or the two and a half hours to Chicago, either on I-90 or I-94, depending on where you were going, and uh, come around the, the, the freeway and smell all the yeast from the breweries right, John? It's gone, Peter. I know, know John. That's John Gert. I was about to get to that. Let me introduce you now, a great historian of Milwaukee. And you've done so many things about this city. And I'm one of those people who believes that there should be neighborhoods. I agree. And I also live in Los Angeles where Los Angeles is not about neighborhood. Los Angeles is 86 separate incorporated cities in desperate search of a neighborhood. <laughs> but Milwaukee is neighborhood.
3: It is. That goes back to the very early years when Milwaukee had three settlements. Uh, you had the Juneau Town, Kilburn Town, and Walker's Point. Uh, the museum is in Walker's Point, And these were three competing settlements. And they didn't get along especially well. And kind of set the tone for Milwaukee to develop this sort of a city of sides. And each of those sides has... Depending on how you count them, some people have gotten up to around 200 neighborhoods in Milwaukee. Uh, I just did a book called "Milwaukee: City of Neighborhoods" in the last year, and we did the 37 in the heart of town that were, have the, the strongest identities. So how many? 37 in the heart of town, but there are people who will count. There are people to in America who don't even
0: know Milwaukee is a city. You have 37 <laughs> neighborhoods. That's right. Amazing. What's the biggest surprise when people come here for the first time, other than the fact that there are 37 neighborhoods? (laughs) I think the surprise here is
3: that Milwaukee has a great deal more charm and appeal than the national image might uh, project. When you travel out of Milwaukee, the thing you always get is, "Oh yeah, the town where beer is made, or <laughs> the town that made beer famous." Right. You know, at one time, we did have three of the biggest four brewers in the country. You did. Pabst, Schlitz, and Miller. We also have long been a center of industry. Uh, that has changed, but that remains the single most important economic activity here. But it's a very livable city. Well, you know, people also forget something scale.
0: else. It's not just beer; it's it's machine tools. Because I remember when I was coming to Madison. In the old days, you couldn't fly to Madison. You had to fly to Milwaukee and then to Madison. And, of course, you flew flew over. There was the Allen-Bradley clock.
3: That's a homing beacon. Right? (laughs) Still there. Still there. And now it's Rockwell Automation. But I still look for the clock. Absolutely. Biggest 4 faced clock in the Western Hemisphere. It was the biggest in the world until somebody in Saudi Arabia built a bigger one.
0: <laughs> so now, Darn. We're, we're number two. <laughs> right. But that's another thing about Milwaukee. It
3: certainly is. And beer was our most important product in just one year. That was back in 1890. And for the duration, it's always been durable goods, everything from motorcycles here at Harley-Davidson. To machine tools to uh, mining equipment to gears. So it's always been kind of a metal bending town and that <laughs> remains a very important part, not, not just of its heritage but of what Milwaukee is today. But it tends to be—we tend to look at ourselves as, you know, kind of in some ways, a uh, little sister to Chicago. And Chicago is a great town to live 90 miles away from. Yeah. You, have, you have the access to all those sort of world city attractions, but it's easy to get around here. I've yeah. led bus tours of Milwaukee in rush hour, and <laughs> had no problems. <laughs> you could not do that well, what in I like Chicago to say, or New York.
0: What I like to say about about Milwaukee is that it actually hosts the third and secret airport of Chicago. (laughs) Uh, Because Mitchell Field, if you look at the parking lot, I said this before, one-third of the plates are Illinois plates. That's true. They figured it out.
3: Yeah, Lake County, a lot of them come up here to travel. So it has a really nice blend. What I've always liked about it is Milwaukee has a wonderful blend of large and small. It's large enough to have kind of the big city attractions from first-class culture to world-class diversity to really big festivals. Summerfest is the world's largest. I I was actually
0: back here during Summerfest this past summer on my my way to Door County. Uh I was blown away
3: about 800,000 people. Blown away. And it's it's kind of escaped my demographic, but I'll go there every year because if you can't find something to like at Summerfest, you're being way too fussy. You know, (laughs) well over 100 acts. So they have an incredible variety. And the lakefront. The first thing I would take people to if they came to Milwaukee was the lakefront. We were governed by socialists for roughly 50 years in the 20th century, from 1910 to 1960. They believed in what they called public enterprise, and that meant spending public money on the public good. So public libraries, public schools, public natatoria, public housing, and public parks. The shoreline in Milwaukee is more than 50% in public ownership. Other places in the country, uh, Great Lakes, you might have high-end housing or, or high-volume freeways. In Milwaukee, it's parkland, and Lake Memorial Drive is just spectacular. It's about three miles of some of the finest parkland you'll find in the Great Lakes.
0: And then you've done some work here in actually restoring some old hotels. Not too far away
3: from Iron the, Horse. Yes, yeah, the Iron Horse, just south of the Harley Museum here, and a lot of the old hostelries in downtown Milwaukee as well. The The Fister is the Grand Dame. So well, the Fister,
0: I, I remember the Pfister. Oh, my God.
3: I think every, it's still doing just fine.
0: When uh, I went to the Fister, they had elevator operators. Oh, they did? <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that, yeah. I,
3: I think every president since McKinley has stayed there. Uh, yeah. So it really has kind of a, a great heritage.
0: And they've kept it up.
3: They certainly have.
0: But the Iron Horse
3: is a restoration. That was a warehouse. Yeah. So this area, is a neighbor called Walker's Point, which was one of the three original settlements. And early on, it was kind of a, an incubator for industry. And it's become just a real kind of a mosaic of nations. Uh, it's the Latino Quarter in Milwaukee. And that is among our fastest growing groups around... Currently around 15% of But, the you know, East I'm, I'm going to give you a
0: stereotype here. When I was going to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, our approach to Milwaukee was the Polish side sure. and the non-Polish side. <laughs> That's right. That
3: was it. Early years, it would have been the north side Germans and the south side, side Poles. Poles. Right. So those were the stereotypes. And there's still kind of a, a lingering identity there. The actually, it actually
0: was... North side Germans, south side Poles, and Father Grappi. That was it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's all you knew. That was it. Now, yeah. today, the north side is largely African American. The south side is very heavily Latino. Uh, but we have... Uh, but you uh,
0: can still get some great
3: kielbasa. You absolutely can.
0: Absolutely. And, and Kringle.
3: <laughs> Kringle's were seen a little bit closer.
0: Yeah, but the south side people were having Kringle. There was a lot of that here as well. Just just making sure we got the Kringle in there.
3: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. my grandparents had a hardware store on Lincoln Avenue with Polish. They came from Poland back in the 1880s. And that area has always had a really strong kind of an Eastern European feel.
2: Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now.
0: I talked earlier in the show when I was you know, growing up in college and coming down I-94 and passing all the breweries and smelling all the yeast. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't escape the yeast on I-94, right. just the smell of it by the old county stadium and coming under the underpass. Uh, Milwaukee's come a long way since then. Not only are there so many new craft breweries, there are distilleries. I, I will say this. When, when I was in college, my roommate was from the south side of Milwaukee, and all he talked about was schnapps. That's all he talked about because he was, he was Polish, and that's what they had. They, they had Kringle in the morning, and they drank schnapps in the evening, and they danced the polka. That's what they did. But now we've got distilleries in Milwaukee doing everything. And, and joining me now, Guy Rehorst, who's the owner of the Great Lakes Distillery, you're not just doing what? You're not doing rum. You're doing what?
5: We're doing, we're doing all kinds of things. Uh, we've uh, actually, believe it or not, right now have 22 different products on our shelves. Uh, vodka, gin, rum, whiskey, absinthe. All made in Wisconsin. All made in Wisconsin. Well, you
0: mentioned absinthe. We'll get to that last. Okay. Uh, but that is so unusual for, a to, be a, to be a real distillery in Wisconsin, and, B, to be doing all those things.
5: Yeah, yeah. Because Wisconsin's
0: not known for any of those
5: not in, not, in this, uh, not in the last 100 years, it certainly hasn't been. So
0: that's a rather ambitious challenge you've got, is to do that many different products and yeah, do them well.
5: It is. And uh, I, I'm fortunate I have a great crew, uh, very talented people that uh, help me get all that done.
0: All right, so now is the vodka made from
5: Wisconsin potatoes? It is made from Wisconsin red winter wheat.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. And
5: how many years have you been doing that? Uh, We've been uh, selling that for uh, approximately 10 years. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: And there's no such thing as aged vodka. Vodka is vodka.
5: Vodka is vodka. Actually, I believe there are some... Small distilleries out there experimenting with aging vodka, but uh, I think what happens is you would just end up with woody vodka when you do that. Right. <laughs>
0: and then gin.
5: And gin, yeah. Our gin is actually was actually our second product and has gotten some ridiculous uh, accolades. So, including uh, New York Times Best uh, Ten Gins in Native North America, and uh, really double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. And you
0: know, it's interesting. Every state in America, with the exception, I think of one, does wine, including Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And we've had one of the wineries on was in Wisconsin on our show when we did it in, in, the, in near Madison. It's pretty good wine, yeah, yeah I mean people are surprised right right yeah
5: well, we Milwaukee, known as a beer town, people are always surprised no kidding. there's not just one distillery but actually three here now, and it's always part of our job is to get people over that that mindset so. Okay,
0: now moving right along, then comes my favorite topic, whiskey.
5: Ah. Now, you're, are you doing bourbon, or are you doing whiskey? We are doing, well, we're doing uh, various types of whiskey. So uh, we currently have what we call our Kinnickinick whiskey, which is actually Our a what? Kinnickinick whiskey. It's you a, want to explain that It's a that local one? word, sure. Uh, it what does is, it mean? Uh, it, uh, it means uh, a blend or a mixture, and uh, there's actually a Kinnickinick River in Milwaukee. There's a Avenue. It's kind of a, a well known name around here, probably not anywhere else. But uh okay. we uh it's a blended of whiskies, so we we thought that was a good uh good, good way good to get in. yeah Okay. Yeah. Are you doing a single malt yet? We uh have some aging in barrels. We don't have it on the shelf yet. So we're waiting for it to get really good. And when's that gonna happen? That one I honestly don't know. It's something we, we'd give it a taste every six months or so and say, Is it ready yet? Nah, let's leave it a little longer. So uh, we do have a uh, bourbon coming out in uh, November that will be uh, seven years old, eight summers old, technically. So we're looking forward to that as well. And then there's rum. And then there is rum. Uh, our rum is uh, Roaring Dan's rum. Named of course after, it is. Named after the only man charged with piracy on the Great Lakes. So, Tell me that story. Piracy uh, on the Great yeah, Lakes. Yeah, Roaring Dan uh, owned a saloon and brothel in Milwaukee. Uh, he also uh, was known as... Uh, he. Well, let's see. He, frankly, he would uh, deliver women to the boats uh, plying their trade out on as the. As you would, as <laughs> you would, yes, <laughs> as one of his jobs. But uh, he, uh, he would often. Um, well, what he did in the the case where he got caught, he uh, supposedly got the crew of a ship drunk, stole their ship, sold their cargo, and then was chased for a week by a. Uh, a federal uh, revenue cutter out of Milwaukee caught a week later, taken to Chicago in uh, in irons and uh, put on trial uh, federal court. Released unexpectedly and for no known record of why, uh, he later became a U.S. marshal. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was, like this guy. He was he was he was, he was pretty bad. <laughs> hey, listen,
0: it's the old Rolling Stones song, right? Every cop was a criminal. That's right. <laughs> Remember that song? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but where are you making the room from? Where?
5: We, we make it from molasses. So, uh, uh, a, uh, Wisconsin molasses. We, uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> we don't grow much sugar cane here. Uh, this uh, molasses is coming out of uh, Louisiana. Wow. And aged at all? Yeah, it's uh, it's aged uh, for about a year. Uh, we also add a little uh, pure Wisconsin maple syrup to it when there we're distilling go. it. There you gives go. It gives the flavor a nice little twist.
0: So the bottom line now is you're one-stop shopping here in Milwaukee.
5: We are, yeah. Yeah, you can darn near get every spirit you want
0: (laughs) they just drive responsibly though but bottom line is it's a surprise for me honestly Mm -hmm. knowing wisconsin as beer and i mean it's so so stereotypical beer cheese but now you're distilling 22
5: different products yeah at the moment 22 so
0: unbelievable guy ray horse the owner of the great lakes distillery
4: you've been listening to peter greenberg worldwide Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location
0: somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free Even after 26 days out there,
4: there is still a lot for me to uncover.
1: Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
2: The Hargan women seem to have it all.
3: From the outside looking in, we were blessed.
4: My mom